since I haven't delivered over a week, so I'm like, slept too much, I think. Uh, every once in a while, you gotta sleep, man. Guess so. Guess so. Alright. Fuck it. Working Fans Podcast. Cool. Yep. Alright, here we go. Coming down. Three, two. back for another week of the Working Fans Podcast. This is AJ. I'm the former wrestler. We've got Dave, the ultimate fan, here with us. As we do every week, our producer, Joe, may likes to make us sound good and makes us look way more professional than we actually are. As always, you can find us on Twitter. That's at Fans Working. Facebook, Working Fans Pod. We've got email where you can reach out to us and please contact us to let us know what you think of the podcast and for any ideas that you might have that's working fans wrestling pod at gmail.com we're on instagram where you can keep up with us at working fans wrestling underscore pod and then you can now listen to us on all major platforms including anchor.fm we're on google podcasts spotify breaker overcast Pocket Casts, Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, and you can actually check us out on YouTube. Now, it's important when you go onto the Apple Podcasts and YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a rating, let us know what you think so you can help us out, and we can continue to do what we love and bring you guys in as fans. This is the ultimate hybrid wrestler, MLW's Douglas James, and you're listening to the Working Fans Podcast. This is now. All right, everybody, it's the Working Fans Podcast with David AJ. We're going to talk some wrestling. Thought it'd be a little fun, AJ. Uh, getting to something a little different here today. I have a few talking points. You know, looking back at wrestling, you know, some things that didn't work out. Maybe why it failed. And uh, one of the first things that jumped at me was Brawl for All. Why did that not work out? Brawl for All failed because the person went over that the WWE didn't want to go over. So anytime you bring something legit into something that's a work, the cross and the fallout can be absolutely horrible. And you took guys who were legit badasses in bar fights and in wrestling and stuff of that nature, you put gloves on their hands and told them, now you're going to box. Right, with some takedowns. <laughs> it's funny you say that because one of the things I like about MMA is the unpredictability of it. But I will say this, sometimes it's hard to promote your top stars because of that reason, because you have predictability of it, you know? But the thing about MMA is you have guys who, even though they might be better at wrestling or might be better at striking, when they're in their training facilities, they're training in both. Right, right. You started a tournament with guys who have trained for neither. Sure and basically took guys that were known for their bar fighting or backroom fighting or maybe their amateur wrestling from 20 years ago. Right. And all of a sudden said, all right, guys, here's some rules. Try to follow this. And you took everybody out of their comfort zone. Yeah, and I think there's something to be said, too, that, uh, you know, Vince McMahon, I think, thought about buying UFC many, many years ago and MMA. And one of the reasons why he didn't get into it was because he himself said it's hard to promote when you can't control the outcome. Well, Bart got in an interview and many times has said flat out that when he beat Dr. Death Steve Williams, when he came back through the curtain, that nobody from the WWE would actually talk to him. Yeah, yeah. That they were actually pissed off at him and instead of going for the underdog and saying, all right, we've got an underdog story where this underdog won, they completely got pissed off and told basically told him to fuck off. 
That reminds me of when Jake the Snake was telling a story about how when he DDT'd Hulk Hogan on the snake pit and they dropped him. And Vince McMahon was in the back, wait for this, Jake. Well, they're going to start chanting Hulk Hogan. They're going to chant Hogan, Hogan. You're going to make a ton of money, Jake. And then the crowd just started chanting DDT. And Vince goes, well, you're fucked. Never mind. <laughs> we can do like two matches. <laughs> yeah, this is basically anything that happens that Vince McMahon doesn't expect to happen is never going to be a good thing for your career. I got two more of these I want to throw at you. Psycho Sid. Now, to be fair, Psycho Sid was a former WF World Champion, former WCW World Champion. He's made a bit of pay-per-views. But a guy with his look and size, a lot of people thought he would have been the next Hulk Hogan, the next Rock. You know, even though he was before The Rock. But you get the idea. Why did he not reach that next level? Oh, because he looked like a psycho. <laughs> you can't have somebody go be the next Hulk Hogan who's coming out even though he's rippled with muscles and is bigger than Hulk Hogan if he looks like he might kill your children. Well, I'll say this too. <laughs> I would say one of the issues maybe Sid had was probably behind the scenes. I mean, even as a kid when we watched this guy, how many times did like Sid get on a roll and they just disappeared? He disappeared, he would go do things, he wouldn't show up, he had ultimate warrior-like tendencies. He got into stabbing um, altercations, he... Sure. But once again, did he fail? That's a good point. I mean, at the end of the day, he was still successful. Maybe he didn't reach that next level success people thought he could have. But, I mean... He's he was a, a world champion in both organizations. And he was in the main event, although not, a, not one of Undertaker's better matches. He was in the main event at Mania. I mean, it's hard to call a guy a failure who, who won everything. Good point, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, maybe failure is the wrong word for Sid. It's just, maybe why did he make it to that next level, but he definitely did. He but did Sid's win. not one of those things that we don't know why he didn't make the next level. As much as we might try to debate it, it's very simple. He was inconsistent. He yeah. wouldn't um, show up. And basically, he was just a good old boy who wanted to get paid when he wanted to get paid and didn't want to show up when he didn't. All right, how about a wrestler who was probably about maybe six... Four, six, six, second generation, Eric Watts. What happened with him? Eric Watts was shoved down everybody's throat by his father. And when you shove anybody down anybody's throat in wrestling, the fans react differently. If you look at Roman Reigns. Sure. Until the leukemia, when they felt, when the fans feel like somebody's being shoved down their throat instead of what they want. The other problem was, is he never really had a wrestling build or wrestling ability. I think he could have fit maybe an old school type thing if, if his work had stayed sharp. I don't remember Eric's work a lot as he progressed because Eric got the rug pulled out from a lot. I don't think his situation, like you said, he got shoved down our throats and a lot of people in the business didn't really like his father. So he didn't get a break being a second generation. Well, that's just it. And once his father lost power in WCW, where was Eric Watts going to go? Right, right. Whereas if it had been the old UWF territory, Eric Watts would have been shoved to the moon and there would have been no stopping it. So, sure. But unfortunately, you mentioned his height. He did have height, but he had basically a Montez Ford build. He did not have a Montez Ford build. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Montez Ford is a great athlete, and Eric was a little thicker than Montez, but that's another story. Yeah, but I will say this: Eric didn't have quite the muscular definition of a Montez Ford. But hey, times were different. It, it's not muscular definition if you look like you haven't eaten in six weeks. He looks fine. He looks fine. However, I will say this: Montez Ford much better athletic ability than Eric Watts. 
Although Eric Watts was a quarterback for Louisville. So let's yeah. not knock him completely. Yeah, let's let's talk about a different topic here. Wrestling on Wednesday nights. We were talking about this off taping a little bit. Basically, AEW has been winning pretty consistently now, but what we've noticed is the audience hasn't really grown much. It goes up some weeks, down some weeks. Stays about the same. Something. The audience hasn't grown for a reason. NXT is not putting out a consistent product, which I know has something to do with the carnivorous virus. Don't get me wrong. Yes, the Gardner virus. Yeah, or the coronavirus, or whatever the hell you want to call it. <laughs> I, I know that there's a, some of that to be blamed. I'm not completely blaming NXT. But AEW, who's putting out a better product, even with the coronavirus, still is not growing it. And the reason why is it's a niche audience. The people that are tuning in for AEW are the same people every week who know what the product is, want to see the product. They're not growing it because they're not reaching out towards the mainstream WWE audience, which is something they had said they were not going to do. Right. Let me ask you something. The NXT was put out there. You can. I'm curious if you agree with this because there were people within WWE, like Triple H, who wanted to put on a more wrestling-based product, different between Raw and Nitro. I'm sorry, Raw and SmackDown, but. NXT was put on Wednesday nights on USA Network by Vince McMahon just to divide the audience. And I think that that's exactly what happened. I don't think that they were expecting huge ratings. Now, let's let's be clear about this. Right. If you're consistently pulling in almost a million viewers like, like AEW is on TNT, that's more than their other programming pulls in. Oh, they're being successful. There's no doubt about that. I just want to say, I mean... It, it seems that, like, Vince McMahon's plan didn't work to a certain point, right? I mean, that is the idea. We're dividing up a similar audience. But, but here's the thing. Even when people aren't watching, like last week, we saw the numbers. 900 versus, like, 600 and something thousand for um, uh, NXT. No, it was, uh, the week before was 9 to 5. This week was 8 to 6. Oh, I thought it was just under 9 this year, a week. I thought it was just barely they dropped, under 9. They, they dropped a little bit. NXT went up. Again, this end, we're, we're pulling from the same audience. But, so. Well, that's what I'm saying. But even when they don't, the week before, AEW mm-hmm. didn't really pull that many more viewers compared to how many were lost from NXT. True. I, I'm going to throw something at you here, too. I would say the key to success, AEW, even, even if they weren't winning every week, which they are pretty much winning every week now, but even if they weren't, I would say they have a better chance to succeed because I think one of the key ingredients missing right now is we need that next big star, right? Like a Stone Cold Steve Austin, a rock to catch fire. Whereas if AEW gets that Austin, if NXT gets that... Chances are we're going to be moving that guy to Raw SmackDown. Fair enough? Yeah, that is fair. But I agree with you 100%. But what I was saying before was that I don't actually think people not watching NXT helps AEW. The people that are are watching NXT, I think, are straight WWE viewers for the most part. And when they don't watch, they're just not watching anything. I would say there's part of that. I would say there's part of that. And there is a part that... Watch AEW and NXT. Yeah, but I think the guys who watch both, mm-hmm. watch both every week. Agreed, agreed. Right. That's why the number doesn't change much on AEW, even when NXT goes down by almost 100,000 viewers. Right. And I would say if you look at the success rate of NXT, for the most part it was when they had main roster wrestlers competing in that storyline, which whether we like it or not, that is just a fact of life that there are... 
Those guys have bigger names. It does. When Finn Balor shows up every week, believe it or not, it makes a difference. When Charlotte shows up every week and they know she's coming, it makes a difference. Obviously, both shows are going on in spite of difficulties and everything going on in the world. No crowd. I'm not a fan of that. You don't really care about it one way or the other, but... I want to be clear. I want to be clear on something. I know I play the bad guy most of the time. It's who I am, and it's not really playing. I basically have been a, a old man inside of a kid's body since the age of like twelve. Sure. But 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 I want to be clear on something. What wrestling is doing right now to try to entertain and to put things together and to still put an audience. I know it's for their business model also, and it's not completely saint-like, but I want to say that what they're doing for us as a wrestling community to try to give us something during this horrible time is still an excellent thing. And I think it's awesome that they're taking the time to try and make the best product po possible. And I think that's, yeah. that's one of the reasons why I'm drawn more to what AEW's been doing compared to NXT, because to me, AEW still trying to put out literally the best thing that they can, whereas NXT is like, hey, what can we get by with? Yeah, but I think they are building to their, their shows for the next few weeks now. I think this week was a step in the right direction. Fair enough? No, no, it was, and it did get better. And I, I got to tell you, we, we need to talk about WrestleMania a little bit. We will. I got one more thing I wanted to actually throw it out, and we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Mania. Because there's something that bothers me greatly about it, so we'll get to that. Okay, yeah, we'll get to that. That's fine. One last thing. I agree with you saying it's nice to have something to watch right now at this time, but would wrestling, could wrestling at least, benefit from a break? If both companies were just running these video shows that you weren't interested in, but then came back like in a month or two, would they be hotter than ever for a while? Or would people just not tune in? I guess that's a 50-50. I, I like to be positive and think that that could be a good thing. But when, when, you're, when you're a new product and you're trying to grow an audience and all of a sudden you don't show up, there's a whole contingency of people that will think that you just went off the air. Well, you got to put something on the air still. So I'm not saying No, that. no, no. I know, but what? Americans' attention span is very short. That's it. So if you don't give them what they're looking for immediately, how many people stop watching? Well, you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, they both might not have a choice because they're both running shows out of Florida warehouses, basically, right now. Yeah. And that might not be allowed much longer. But but even look at um, regular booking during regular wrestling. If people don't get the storyline that they're looking for and it doesn't go in the direction that they're looking for, instead of giving it a chance to actually grow the storyline, how many people just give up on the storyline in the first week? Yeah, I can definitely see your point on that. All right, well, let's get to Mania. There's a lot of stuff going on with Mania, potential spoilers here. For anybody listening, we don't have results, but there's some stuff that's definitely changed on this card that we know of. So go right ahead and talk about it, because I know you want it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to talk about the card itself. I mean, we can talk about Roman Reigns being out and then subbing in Braun Strowman. I think that's fine to talk about. The fact that you had an injury to Andrade, which is going to bring in from NXT Austin Theory to team up with um, yeah. his partner. I think that those are things that are definitely stuff we can discuss. I, I agree. I, I want to throw, uh, throw that real quick for you. The Austin Theory thing. From that kid's perspective, he has an empty arena. But my God, you're like what? Twenty years old, twenty one years old. You're going to be on WrestleMania. He, he's going to go. He's going to go from Evolve wrestling in front of a what would be a large crowd of two thousand to being in being on WrestleMania. Which while there's going to be no crowd in there, 
Yeah. There's going to be millions of people watching. Sure. So it's, it's probably pretty cool for him. Yeah, so for Austin Theory, not the worst thing that could happen. I don't know about the taping ahead of time. Right, me neither. I, I'm not... To, to me, yeah. to me, why couldn't they still tape it live on on the nights that it's supposed to happen? Oh, I can tell you why. AEW's taped their next few shows, too, ahead of time. Did you hear about this? Yeah, and but there's a difference to me between WrestleMania and Wednesday night shows. No, but the reason why is because Florida, where they're both located, they ban flights out past their Oh. Yeah, so that's why both companies started taping ahead. Gotcha. That way they could make sure people could actually get there. Yeah, so I think A, I know WWE, but I believe AEW as well. But, well, uh, take the next two weeks of program. But but here's the problem with the WrestleMania. We know that they all the talent for WrestleMania was already sequestered into a WWE hotel. Sure. So all the talent for WrestleMania, which is next Sunday, was already right. in town. So it's not like everybody couldn't fly in for Sunday. Right. I mean, we don't. <laughs> Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm sure they're just, things are constantly changing. They just didn't want to, um, you know, they wanted to get it under control. I get what happened. I had this idea for an angle, because when I first heard Roman went down before I heard Braun was uh, the guy that came in, I thought to myself, God, wouldn't it be cool, like on Saturday night, if they had Edge and Orton, and even though they're not in the right, you know, brands, but if Edge beat Orton in the last man standing match, they got to face Goldberg, and then Edge won the title, and then they came back with injury angle, and a Money in the Bank guy cashed it on Edge in Toronto, getting ultimate heel beat. I think all these crazy stories would be good, and they're like, and Braun Strowman, and I'm like, you know? Well, well, here's the funny thing about the Braun Strowman thing. Back to the WWE and their immense sense of timing. Braun yeah. Strowman was as hot as could be maybe about yes. a year and a half, two years ago. Now he's been literally doing nothing. Right. And now he's going to get the belt put on him? Right. I mean, we're assuming to get the belt put on or, him. Or is, or is Goldberg going to have his longest actual title reign? <laughs> uh, uh, let's go Goldberg, baby. Spearhead big son of a bitch. Put him in the ground. Two-minute squash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nah, I'm with you. I'm hoping Braun wins, but it's a, it's a weird situation. You're right. We could have brought a year ago would have been hot as hell. Now it feels like all right. He was just the next guy on the roster. Yeah. Now, now, now he just lost the Intercontinental Title, and he runs around in circles yelling, "Get these hands!" <laughs> yeah, I, def- I had a lot better ideas in my head that could have gone with. But. The the worst part is is that if you listen to the people that are out there, everybody who has talked about Braun Strowman talks about the fact that he actually has had great matches on live events and that he can work a hell of a match. And the WWE has just chosen to do what they think people want to see, which is get these hands. On a different note, how excited to see Killer Cross potentially make his debut soon? Oh, I think it's awesome. You know, we're, we're both big fans of Killer Cross. Yeah, different kind of talent. I like him a lot. Great, great look, great promo. Can deliver in the ring. Well, he also has a chance because he's big enough that the WWE will give him a chance. Yeah, and he's going to debut in NXT, too. So he'll be a bigger guy down there anyway. So. Oh, he's a guy in NXT who will look like a mountain. That being said, too, there was something else I enjoyed this week. Oh, yeah, Brody Lee with the tape segment uh, reminding everybody of somebody there when he kicked Alex Reynolds out of the room for sneezing. What do you think, uh... Who do you think that was supposed to well, be? Well, not only that, but if you listen to the Chris Jericho podcast this week with Brody Lee when they talked about Vince yeah. McMahon and trying to pitch him ideas while he's eating. Right, 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 right. 
really the whole segment ends up being almost a shot at Vince McMahon. It's entertaining though. Brody delivered it well, so. Yeah, the other people were trying to eat before um, he was gonna finish eating and he literally went off on them. I, you wonder how much Vince McMahon actually is like these characters. I'm sure that they're tuning it up by about 100%. Yeah. But this has got to be some of the things that they interpret. Chris Jericho talked about the fact, and he's talked about this numerous times now, he would never pitch Vince McMahon an idea until he had talked to enough people to confirm that Vince McMahon had eaten in the course of a day. Right, right, right. Because yeah. otherwise, all Vince would be thinking about was what I'm going to be eat, what he's going to be eating, and he would never actually think about the idea that was going to be pitched to him. That, that's insane. No, I mean, by all intents and purposes, we do know Vince is insane. This is a guy, even about a year ago, when what, he's in the 70s? Oh, Kevin Owens, the head bump in the head. <laughs> he said, bring it, you fucking pussy. <laughs> yeah, now, if you want to get into real news about Vince McMahon, we can actually get into the fact that there's a lawsuit now up against the WWE from its stockholders that is being put together because they feel as though Vince McMahon liquidating his stocks and taking the money to put into a surplus for the WWE or for himself is actually taking away from the WWE and that it's also made it so that because he's liquidating these stocks, he has a clause in there that says he still maintains control of the WWE. Most companies, if you sell a certain amount of stocks, the person who buys those stocks actually can become in control of the company. And that's how people overtake companies is by purchasing a, a larger share of the stocks. And Vince McMahon is trying to sell off his stocks without losing control of the company. Sounds like a pretty fucking smart move to me. I hope he gets away with that, honestly. Yeah, he's, he's completely, but he's getting sued by a number of stockholders about the not doing what's best for the stockholders with the company. Let's hope these bitter people don't get rewarded. <laughs> yeah. Who's the heel this week, huh? <laughs> exactly. See, and I'm in the opposite one because I'm wondering, you know, if somebody buys enough stocks and gets in control of the company, hey, maybe we'll see something go in the right direction. I mean, there is that part. <laughs> I wouldn't mind that. That'd be a wild card. <laughs> We never know, though. We don't know what we'd be getting. Hey, what if Ted DiBiase buys up all those stocks? He is the million dollar man. Yeah, I won't wait for that to happen, but... <laughs> Maybe VK Wall Street. Oh, now, now you're talking. Now you're talking. <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to touch on? No, I think as a whole, wrestling is doing everything that they can right now. As for this podcast, we're doing all the weekend. We're um, basically in lockdown, so we're not all together. But between FaceTime and audio, I think we're doing our best to continue to get good interviews and to get solid content every week, unlike the WWE and NXT for our fans. I hope the fans that are listening to this stay safe. And please be careful out there. We care very much about our fans, especially the ones in that one in Ty Taiwan and that one down in um, uh, New Zealand. Yeah, the two in Italy. Two in Italy. Yeah, we're really worried about you guys. Please let us know you're safe. Yeah. <laughs> um, pretty much everybody stay safe. I know you don't have to worry quite as much in New Hampshire because there's only like one person alive in the state. <laughs> He's doing well. <laughs> but... Guys, please, on a serious note, be safe, be careful out there. God bless you all, and we love you. Get your head to the pillow at the end of the night. That's all that matters. Mm. Just get your head to the pillow. No matter how bad you're feeling, no, no matter how bad you think you're doing, you, if you put your head on that pillow, you got a, you got a fighting shot at tomorrow. Working Fans Podcast, welcome 
Today we have one of the founding members of Rockin' Randy's Rockin' Wrestling Group. He's on point with the birthday list every day. He's coming all over your timeline with humor and positivity. He's the pride of Barnstable, Mass. He's currently fighting out of Centerville, Mass. He's a man the illustrious Mike Mills dubbed a good dude. It's the mighty Josh Dunn. Remember him? Josh, how are you today? Good. Uh, you guys do it. That's a hell of an introduction right there. I know. I feel like I hit almost every one of your gimmicks here. If not, we'll get into it in the discussion. Oh, I, I just can't believe he's coming on my timeline. I can't wait for this. <laughs> <laughs> All day, every day. Yeah, uh, I know. I like somebody who works. This is off to a good start. All right, cool. Now, Josh, just to start off with, what got you into pro wrestling? Moments, wrestlers. You're from the same general area we are. So I yeah. imagine it's WWF, WWE. Total WWF, man. You're absolutely right. I mean, I came from a young family. My, my uncles were were like 13 and 14 when I was born. So my earliest memories of wrestling was Captain Lou, you know? He was always a character to me. And, and then I got into the rock and wrestling cartoons. I was all about that. I had the curtains. I had the bed sheets. I had the, the comforter. I mean, I was all about rock and wrestling. I guess the ice cream bars too, right? <laughs> Ice cream bars, I remember. I rem- those came a little bit. Those came around like when I was in fifth or sixth grade. Definitely remember those. Yeah. They weren't around too long. No, no, no. They didn't last. Recently making a comeback, which is weird to see. Yeah. I'm pretty amped about it. <laughs> now, have you always stayed a wrestling fan, or was there a time that you kind of fell out with it? So, yeah, I, I stopped watching. So, we, we went, I went overseas in 2003, and I, uh, I definitely stopped. I mean, I I catch it now and then that when we had an Armed Forces Network over there, and they would show it from time to time. But it was really it was really sporadic when you could catch it, when you couldn't. And I never really went back to it till about two thousand nine, when my youngest, my oldest daughter, actually, excuse me, my oldest daughter was born. And life started slowing down, and one night I'm just watching Monday Night Raw, and I'm back into it. And the first thing, the first feud, I think it might have been 2008, 2009, the first feud I remember getting back into or invested in was Triple H and Randy Orton, when, when Randy Orton DDT'd um, Stephanie McMahon mm. on, on TV. That was, my, that was my first angle back into wrestling. It was good. I liked it. Now, what kind of made you fall out with it? Was it just going overseas and not being able to watch it for a time, or definitely, definitely going overseas? I was in my early twenty, early twenties. I was single. You know, I didn't really fall out of it in high school because as soon as I was starting to fall out of it, when I was about fourteen, fifteen, freshman in high school, uh, the Monday Night Wars basically started. So. I kind of, I kind of re. I mean, I never fell out of it during high school or anything, or even into college because the the Monday Night Wars were going on. But after that, it was it was it wasn't as good as you know. It really fell off after about two thousand one. You know, it's funny. I remember the Monday Night Wars and everything. I'm a little older, and me and my buddy AJ, who also does the show with us, we were talking about this like when we were working. We remember wrestling being like not on anybody's radar. And then suddenly we're going to work and we're seeing people with NWO t-shirts and guys yelling out, do you smell what the rock is cooking? And one day it just hit me like, shit's getting really huge right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it was amazing. And then all of a sudden it was like cool to watch. And, you know, it, it, it never, it just, it was, I don't know how it was.
was for you guys, but here in New England, like here in Massachusetts, it was like it just never wrestling never fell off for anybody that really grew up watching it and followed it because I was a night you know an eighties kid and. The Monday Night Wars really like it was a cool like even girls were watching it in college. I remember the end up you know the Monday Night parties and I remember trying to get them to come come to us and you know it was a wild time. So you, did you ever make a tape for one of those Monday Nitro parties? We did, and it no, nothing ever came to fruition about it. And I did tell Tony Schiavone uh, one time. Uh, I did talk to him one time, and I told him about that. He, he he basically said, you know, those tapes didn't go through him or anything like that. But God, it must be good not to have that surface now. Like shit, I don't want to see what my nitro party would have looked like then. No, I'm definitely glad that I'm. I'm I hope they don't exist somewhere <laughs> in it because I, I believe we definitely hate it. It was debaucherous to say the least. <laughs> now I became familiar with you because we're in similar Facebook groups and. I've noticed you kind of have an interesting approach when discussing pro wrestling on Facebook and social media. Kind of what's your thought behind it when you discuss pro wrestling out there? My approach has always been to, to never, I never try to state anything that I say, or at least I try, I try my hardest never to state any, post anything that I, that I think is a matter of fact. Everything is my opinion. And I, I never try to like throw something out there and say, this is the worst person in wrestling, or this is the worst thing going in wrestling. I, I give, I give my opinion and then I ask, a, I usually try to ask a question. And I've always learned like, that's the way to, you know, interact with people, just act, ask questions. And it also, more importantly gets other people interacting with each other like like i may post something that's not popular like take for instance orange cassidy big hot button topic in wrestling but you'll get the guys that don't like orange cassidy on there and those guys will actually interact with each other which is kind of a cool thing if you think about it i don't care if you like him or not as long as you're not a dick about it, like, you know, or and, and if you're being cool with each other and you guys are interact, I mean, it's a win-win. It really is. I just, I try to create, have threads that are just friendly and cool. And that's, you know, that's always my approach. I was going to say you approach it with more like a positive talk about the things we like rather than kind of bitch about the things we hate. Like Definitely. I love the Arcadian podcast groups, both the podcast and the Facebook groups. But there's times where the people seem to almost get really behind Jim and Brian's opinions and almost make it more of a negative thing rather than like, why not just talk about the guys that pop us? Like, personally, I find Orange Cassidy super entertaining. Oh, definitely. I'm with you on that. I love him. I make no, I'm unapologetically an Orange Cassidy fan. And. Unless he does something incredibly vile, and I'll always be a fan of his. He's, he's awesome, and you. And I don't think people realize up here in New England he, how much of a big draw he was. You know, mm-hmm. he was a draw. When we talk about when we talk about drawing money and drawing money and drawing houses, he was drawing houses up here. I mean, he was the show. Yeah, like when you uh, went to a lot of those Beyond shows, he'd be one of the biggest reactions for the night, doing as little as possible. Oh, it, it was incredible. I saw the. I was at American Rana in July uh, for his match against the R.D. Evans, and and over a thousand people, and the place just. I never felt anything like that. I never did. Yeah, I mean, I did. Yeah, I I did in other places. 
awesome time, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, and the referee, I'm breaking out his name for AEW now. Too. Brace Rumsberg. Yeah, go. super got over with me for the first time in that match. I was like, his facials, and just, at first I thought I was distracting, but then as time went on, I'm like, no, I'm loving everything that everybody's doing in this match right now. These guys are putting on a great show. I'll say this about Bryce Remsberg. He's one of the best referees in the history of independent wrestling. I mean, without him, I mean, some of these matches wouldn't be, wouldn't have been as good as they were. I mean, or he really is. I'm, I'm pretty sure he's Orange Cassidy's referee now in AEW. Like, you don't, I, if our Orange Cassidy's in a match, I don't think you'll ever see anybody but Bryce Remsberg officiating those matches. So. That's kind of a cool thing. Yeah, he really adds a lot to the match with the facials, and just his reactions make the match that much bigger. Yeah. I think I first saw him at the first spring break, and I'm like, who is this goofball? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then after oh, that was my reaction, yeah. He, my first time seeing him was on the Joey Janela's Lost in New York. He was in like some kind of ladder scramble. Oh, yeah. And, and coincidentally, the, the latter scramble he was in almost got them shut down because the fire commissioner, they, they whipped out two ladders in the match. And the fire commissioner was not happening. He wanted to shut that show down. Wow, they do a lot with that GCW promotion. They have some amazing shows, especially early on before AEW really popped off, I thought. Oh, I, I mean, between, between Beyond and GCW, I mean... It, that, that's basically where all these guys are are going to from the to the Piano Center and WWE and to AEW. They're all being plucked from the from those two companies. I mean, you got Black Label and, and a couple of the other ones around the country, but the majority it's it's more accessibility. I'm sure there's WWE people that go to these Beyond shows. You, you'd have to think there's a scout in those crowds, you know? Exactly. Now, who do you see as the next up-and-comer coming out of that GCW Beyond crowd? You know, I, I, I've really been thinking Tony Deppin was would, would have been signed by now. It, it's very surprising to me that he isn't signed. Dirty Daddy, I don't think he signed with MLW, but he was supposed to be on the upcoming Cancelled show in the middle of April, and, um, and that's a bummer for him. I mean... <laughs> Talk about a guy that deserves a shot, like just a shot, anything on TV or, na you know, some kind of national exposure. Yeah, I was um, real excited to see him get on MLW because we've seen him killing it up here at Beyond for years now. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That match he had with Sakimoto this year. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. I mean, I, I don't, I can't, st I don't, I don't stop talking about that match today. Yeah, the closing mean, minutes. <laughs> they, they brought it. I guess he's always he has always stated uh, stated that um, his match with I, I believe it was Kimberly the, the chair match uh, they worked in intergender and it went viral and apparently that's what kept him off for a, for a while out of the out of the WWE. I didn't know this because I kind of didn't. I kind of didn't get involved in, until later on. But I guess him and Corny had a beef with each other that I didn't know about. That Corny um, went viral on him uh, for the, for that intergender match. Yeah, so, I heard Corny had a problem with him. I didn't know Dickinson had responded. Now. He didn't respond. I don't think. I think he just said he he got blocked by him, and and he he doesn't. He's not going to apologize to him or anything like that. But I, I think that's that's the that's the thing that's uh, he's constantly said that's kept him out of the WWE. He's made no bones about it that he, he wanted to 
to go. So yeah, and it's crazy that Beyond really popped off with that intergender wrestling and was slightly ahead of the curve. I'd say. I mean, it's still not over, but they made steps. I know uh, Kenny Omega talked about he wants to get it in AEW, and they did it on the cruise ship, I guess. Yeah. So it is something we could still see uh, on a national level. They, you, I don't. Unfortunately, we'll never see it on a WWE level. Uh, yeah. They 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 wanted it, but I guess it, it got squashed by by the stockholders. And that's so. probably how we got that awesome mix match challenge. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. There's nothing better than an intergender match where when somebody else tags in, hey, get the fuck out and get the lady in here, please. Man, I've seen some really good. I'm not. I've seen some really good intergender matches. I've seen some bad, bad intergender matches. But the the bad intergender matches are the same as a bad match. They're just a bad match to me, you know. There's been some good ones. I mean, my favorite, one of my favorite tag team matches of. Of 2018 was the Beaver Boys versus the Twisted Sisters. Uh, oh God, yeah, John Silver came out as such. A yeah, deal. it's alive. Yeah. That was that was one of the that was one of my favorite tag team matches. Not forgetting it's intergender, it was just one of my favorite matches of that year. They worked stiff. They worked great. And and uh, it's a shame that Holla Dead never never really capitalized on uh, that. So. Yeah, now how is it seeing the Beaver Boys on a national level now? Because we interviewed John Silver probably, he had done a couple... He did a couple of the enhancement, but he wasn't part of the Dark Order yet. They no. were just starting to tease that the next week. And they were hoping that they were going to get a bigger contract. So how is it seeing a guy that you saw every month at Beyond now on national TV getting over? I love it. I from a creative standpoint, as as that fan who's who's sitting here critiquing a little bit, I'd rather them not have the masks on because they they're good looking guys, and and honestly, they were top. They, they, I'm not going to say they're top level talent in a major promotion, but they they should they should be featured every, every they should be in that tag team mix every week without the without the masks on. So I hope they'll, to see them doing something down the road away from the dark order and, and that gimmick because they you know the, the meat man and and alex reynolds that, that's a, the beaver boys were great they were a great tag team for beyond we keep talking about this foxwoods card but when i saw reynolds versus silver on that card that was kind of like the first time really experiencing reynolds and i thought this guy is a great shit heel like he came oh, out awesome. of a smoker's jacket and he just had instant fucking heat i was like i love it He's kind of like a throwback. I want to say like a John Morrison, Rick the Mart- 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 Martel kind of hybrid. He's definitely an old school, old school kind of heel. And John Silver, regardless of his size, is, is I mean, he's a hell of a performer. Yeah, I never really think about his size when watching him wrestle because he's built like a tank. And he just comes out with so much charisma, you'd almost think he's like six four. Exactly, exactly. And and you know when he's got somebody on his knees and he's going to do the kicks. I mean, those are some stiff kicks. And and you're right, I do forget about how about what his, uh, his height is because he's lifting people up over. I mean, I saw him gorilla press. I, I think in one of the uncharted, uncharted territories, he gorilla pressed somebody over his head. 
That was long, I, he's a strong, strong dude. I, I have I've interacted with him on Twitter. He's a very nice person and very cool, very cool guy. Yeah, he was a very good guest to have on. Now, kind of getting back to podcast a little bit. What drew you to the Arcadian Vanguard podcast, as well as booking the territory and the accompanying Facebook groups? Because the podcasts are amazing in their own way. But the oh, yeah. Facebook community that's been created behind it is almost, I would say, almost as good as the podcast, if not better. So, what drew you to that crowd? So, I, I, I don't know. I learned, I learned about it through Corny, and then I, from listening to Corny, I ended up listening to the Six O Five, and I immediately, I got submersed into the Six O Five and and just Bix, and uh, I was around when Bix Bix was on, but I didn't join the Mothership group. Because I was never really active on Facebook or, or wrestling internet in general, but then one day I just I just asked to join the group, and two months later I did, I never thought about it, and then two months later uh, I was accepted into the group, and then I looked at the group and I said, oh, these guys are fun, huh? Yeah, just some of the conversations we have on there, more so in the Rock and Randy's Rock and Wrestling group, but you can be filthy, you can be funny. You can oh, yeah. get genuine support in in tough times. It's just a nice community that they have there. I I love it there. That started as a joke, half joke and half resentment, and it grew into the, into what we have now, which is just a cool. It's it's really a collection of of people from from all the great great boards, you know. And it's a good place for people like podcasters and every you know. Everybody, like uh, from novelist to artist to to whoever, to plug their stuff and share and get supported in a, in a smaller environment. You know, we're not big. We're not a big group. We have no aspirations to be big or anything like that. I think the problem is with these Facebook groups is once they get to a certain certain number of people and you don't know who these people are, the less apt you want to become personal with these people you know and that i think that's what's different about us from the rest of them yeah because i was gonna ask what led to the creation of the rock and randy's rock and wrestling group because there was a pro wrestling outlaws group just before this and that seemed to go up like the challenger and then rock and randy's kind of came from the ashes so, pro wrestling outlaws. I was in that group, and I like to joke around. And I like to have fun. I like homoerotic humor. I'm not in a derogatory way towards towards gay people, but more or less celebrating them. And this guy did not appreciate my homoerotic humor, and I said, you know what, this is not going good. He was referring to Nyla Rose as quote-unquote it. That didn't go over well with me. I have like a code of just treating humans as humans. And that's it. Like, come as you are with me. And uh, he, he really showed his cards, like, of what kind of person he was. So I, I kind of pushed the envelope with him. And I was I was posting some, some you know, homoerotic stuff. And finally, he was taking my post down. <laughs> and I posted. One night, I just po- I remember it fondly. I took a I took a bong hit and then I posted I posted I don't appreciate my post being taken down if this continues Rock and Randy's pro wrestling group is going to be created and you're all welcome to join and I wrote I promise five minutes later I was kicked out of the group <laughs> so, so literally in tw- within twenty minutes I had Rock and Randy's up and running. And by the time, like, the 40th person joined, I said, oh, shit, what do I do? You know, like, now I got to create it. I got to take this kind of seriously now. Because <laughs> it really did start out as a joke and a resentment. But then, but everybody really was 
kind of just like F that guy. He was a real, you know, he was kind of ignorant. Nobody really knew him anyway. It was kind of a weird setup. We, we, were, we all knew each other, but we really didn't know the admin. It just made no sense. And he wanted, he wanted to start his own wrestling sheet. He was asking people for their reviews of wrestling shows. And, and I was like, you know, we're gonna, if we're going to do a group, we're going to do a group where everybody can just share their podcast, share their whatever. We've got wrestling columnists in there. We've got wrestlers. You know, anybody can go in there and just plug their stuff and, and be cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the funny thing about Pro Wrestling Outlaws was I joined because I believe I was invited by you or I saw you join. So I'm like, oh, if Dunn's into this, I'm into this. And one day I just... We've been trying to get the podcast off, so I just happened to share something in there. And that was the first and only time I've ever gotten a report from Facebook saying, it was somebody from the page saying, hey, we're trying to grow the page here, don't share that shit. And I'm like, that's a real weird outlook. And then I saw the problems you had with him, and then when Rockin' Randy's was up, I'm like, fucking, I'm in. And that's where I noticed that you came with a certain positivity that kind of wrestling discussion on the internet doesn't see too often so that's what led me to the group personally well internet in general sometimes yeah yeah well, <laughs> well the great thing if you see like in, in the rock and randy's group we have tons of old school fans like i have tons of old school wrestling fans who i quote are quote unquote cranky fans where they don't like a lot of the modern silly stuff or whatever but they don't treat people like garbage for liking that stuff. And that's what's kind of different about the group we have is like, they don't, nobody cares if you like that stuff, even though they don't like it. You know, nobody's going to denigrate you for for liking Orange Cassidy or something as silly as that, you know? Nobody wants to not be your friend over a stupid wrestler. That's, that's the basic gist of it, you know? Exactly. Like, and that's kind of why I wanted to have you on because I thought that group was doing one of the better things on Facebook. And I wanted to share it here. Now, we've had you on for a little bit, and we thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much. Nice. Well, thank you, Josh, for joining us. It was great having you on. And Dave and hey, Joe, it was awesome, man. Hey, we'll see you on the we'll see you in the Rock and Randy's group. Have a good day. Definitely. Have a good day. Thank you, guys. I kind of wanted to go into a quick list of favorites with you. I'm just gonna throw you a couple different categories. You give me your favorite in each one. Are you good with that? I'm good with it. All right. Favorite movie. Tupac Resurrection. Ooh, goddamn. Favorite wrestler. Modern Nick Cage, classic Greg the Hammer Valentine. Ooh, wow, good. Favorite album? After You Like Dice, uh, Kill Switch Engage. Nice. Favorite moment in wrestling? Favorite moment in wrestling would be... Oh, man. I would say I would say Hulk Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior. WrestleMania 6? Yeah, WrestleMania 6. God, that... For people in our time frame, that seems to be like one of those classic matches that really sticks in people's minds. Yeah, it just it does because we were, we were eleven, maybe ten or eleven years old, and it was two guys that we had grown up as kids. We had watched as kids come in head to head. It was just such a big deal for us, especially for kids kids here who, who we didn't even get WCW till '94. So Hogan versus Ultimate Warrior here was like was bigger than a lot of things going on. Yeah. Favorite vacation spot? Mohegan Sun. Oh, wow. Did you hear about them closing down recently? I did not. Yeah, they're closed for, I want to say, two weeks. And it's wild that that's how bad the virus is getting, that 
the casino is closing. You would almost think that that would never happen. No, you you really wouldn't. It's, it's, it's really nice air. That's why I like it there. It's really nice and nice and clean and nice and clean air in there. So now we're gonna get to the hard hitting questions. Now, favorite strain of Iranian tobacco. <laughs> oh, how about uh, I, I have to go with OG Tahoe. Wow, see, me, uh, I'm a Durban Poison guy all day. Oh, I love that. Favorite 90s R&B group? Jodeci. Favorite? But, of- but, wait, hold on. But, but, New Edition had a hell of a comeback in 96. <laughs> I was wondering who it was going to be. I'm familiar with your Facebook timeline, and, like, he's either hitting us with New Edition, Jodeci. I mean, Black Street might come out of nowhere, but they're, like, Absolute. a distant fourth, third or fourth. Definitely top five. <laughs> Favorite cover song? Holy Diver, Kill Switch oh. Engage, definitely. That's a good one. Favorite yeah, artist. and those guys are local to you, aren't they? Or one of the, the the drummer definitely is. I met the drummer in Connecticut over at the Oakdale one time. Oh wow! I know they're all like Massachusetts, New York, or Massachusetts, yeah. Rhode Island, Connecticut guys. Definitely. Yeah, the uh, drummer's definitely from Connecticut. Wow! Yeah, definitely hometown guys. Favorite definitely. artist. Favorite artist. Yeah, music artist or even um, artist artist. However. I'll go Anthrax. Ooh, that's a good one. Favorite beer or favorite alcohol? None. I have been. I'm going on sober uh, for eight years. So I don't want to kill the. Bu- I don't no, want to kill good. anybody's buzz. Yeah, uh, my favorite. My favorite uh, Coca Cola. Well, we'll go with this: Bong Blunt Bowl or uh, fucking you. You name the method. I'm big, on, I'm big on the Emperor Emperor Cones right now. Those yeah. are like. Those are like the, uh, the two and a half long. They're pretty big. Although I like those new zigzag cones are pretty good. I'm going to have to look at look for that at the store next time I'm in there. Yeah, current, reputable. Current wrestling promotion. Definitely beyond, beyond for indies. MLW for major. Definitely. Nice. Now, what is it about MLW that really sticks out to you? That's a favorite here between that and NWA. We're big on those two promotions. MLW, I, lo- I just love the, the talent. I like the talent. They, I've always liked the talent they get. They do simple promos, simple, simple storylines. It captures my attention span. And the same thing with the NWA. I mean, I, I do. I watch them all, I, except for Raw and SmackDown. Really, I don't. I watch AEW and NXT. Yeah, that's kind of like what I'm into too. AEW, NXT, MLW, NWA, and with MLW, I was just wondering if you agree too. I really love, like, I mean, it's called fusion, obviously, but I do love the fusion of styles. Like, we got lucha, we got MMA, we got these big brawlers, we got third generation wrestlers. Like, I just really love everything they're doing with that stuff. Yeah, I love, I love it, and I like, I like that. Everybody has a stable too. I just love the stables. Mm. That. That's a really cool element. Now you got Colonel Robert Parker coming back. Come yeah, on, this is no. like this is about to get like. I think we're going into a really good period of MLW. I really do. I don't know if anyone uh, else could handle the Von Erichs as well as they did too. You know, like oh, the, no. yeah, definitely. Yeah, we've actually got Douglas James. We're interviewing him next, and we're no just kidding. yeah, we're just psyched to have an MLW guy. It's probably third or fourth we've had. Yeah, and it's too. just cool to get in and talk with those personalities. I'm a big fan of um, Simon Gotch. I, I, I've always kind of liked. I've kind of liked him since he went away from NXT. He's a shooter. I've never met him or anything like that. Always been cool to me on Twitter. I like him in MLW, and I, I liked him on the Bloodsport last year. I don't know what you guys think of think of him, but I like Simon Gotch. Yeah, he, what was the Bloodsport match? I'm trying to remember. 
He, uh, Kratos, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I was trying to remember because I know I've seen the blood sports, but it's like the middle of the card. I forget who fights yeah. who. I know they're all solid matchups. Right. It's just, it gets back I definitely think it was Kratos. I'm, go, I'm going with Kratos, final answer on that one. I'm really holding out hope that they're able to do something with those promotions down in Tampa this year, Mm. given the news of the WrestleMania. Aside from it all, I mean, my heart goes out to like some of those promoters. You know, they didn't ask. (laughs) You know, they they take a risk, but this is you know some of these promoters may never come back from this, and this and that's that's a sad thing. It really is. It's hard to see who's gonna make it through this now. Who's your favorite classic wrestling promotion? I gotta go with Smoky Mountain because they just had it. they had everybody. Yeah, it was amazing the talent they had come through there and just what they were able to do with that Southern product. They had my favorite. I mean, one of my favorites is Buddy Landell. They had he was so good in the promo, and I, I've been doing I've been watching along recently to some '95 when they're closing down, and and he was still killing it in '95. But they had everybody, you know, they, they had Jay come through, you got New Jack, I mean, they just had, Corny had talent after talent rolling through, and I love Corny promos, I don't agree with all his takes, but I love, I love Corny. Yeah, and it's one of those things that being a Cornet fan in modern times, like, there is a way to be a fan of him and not necessarily be behind all the wild statements that he makes. Exactly. Like, I'm My a fan is, all day. Date. I'm so sorry. Oh, sorry about that. I'm a fan all day, but I'm not going to stand up and defend everything he says. It's yeah. he's a personality. And I think, Ray, I think Josh, this is what you were saying too. Is that basically like we're entitled to have different opinions. So we can like Jim Cornette and some of his work, but we don't have to agree with everything he says. And that's okay. That doesn't make us bad or good people. Just, yeah. Just, you know. Yeah. My, my rule of thumb with Cornette is, it's like, I don't compl- I don't post about him. I don't complain about him. You know, I don't, and I, I also really, I mean, I don't really agree with him mm-hmm. on, uh, and post about it because it's a divisive topic, you know? Mm-hmm. And I don't comment much on him. Like, I comment here and there on stuff, but... But I try to stay away from anything anything he says because I'm a super fan of his. Yeah. I treat him. I treat him like how I used to treat Howard Stern. I mean, I, I love Howard, but like you didn't see me like walking up to like a, a woman and saying, "Show me your tits," you know. <laughs> that's that's just how I approach Corny. It's he's kind of the same as Howard. He's just an entertaining. He's not meant to be. I think what the problem people miss interpret with Corny is they use him as informative when in fact he's he's. He's entertaining. He's mm-hmm. not there to be informative or persuasive. Even his persuasion is, is entertaining. I, and I, I think it gets lost in the shuffle somewhere down in Alabama. I'm not sure. <laughs> exactly. Now, I want to finish off the favorites list on a kind of a positive note. So what's the favorite advice that you've gotten through life that has been most pertinent to you? Mind, mind over matter. Your body, you know, I did a lot of physical things in, in, in my 20s, and it's always mind over matter. I Nowadays, though, with, with our age group and, and the mental health component of life, I, I what I say to people is get your head to the pillow at the end of the night. That's all that matters. Mm. Just get your head to the pillow. No matter how bad you're feeling, no, no matter how bad you think you're doing, you, if you put your head on that pillow, you got a, you got a fighting shot at tomorrow. 
All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcast, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 